Well, today we're continuing our series on the Lord's Prayer. Think about the Lord's Prayer. How many times have you said the Lord's Prayer in your life? How many would think that they probably said the Lord's Prayer over a thousand times in their life? Okay. About a few of you. Most likely you went to liturgical churches that prayed it in their services. Maybe you were part of a parochial school where they said it daily, and then you were taught to say it regularly on your own and those kind of things. So, uh, how do you feel about the Lord's Prayer today? I was talking with somebody between services here, and they said it's very hard to say the Lord's Prayer without just having the tape play. They've said it so many different times, it's hard even to slow down and connect with it. So a lot of people, I think, are there. I think there are other people who find it very meaningful, very comforting uh, to pray the prayer. I'll tell you my story. I grew up in a church like Springbrook, and we were taught, and I think this is true, that the Lord's Prayer was not necessarily meant to be parroted back. Now, you can do that. That's fine as long as you're really thinking through it as you say it. Not just kind of like a magic prayer. If you say the prayer, you know, God's going to give you something back. But uh, as a model prayer, so you take the Lord's Prayer and you take different components of it, and that's how you kind of structure your prayer life. And So I've taught that. I believe that. But God has really given me a new understanding of how the Lord's Prayer can be used in our one-on-one time with God in our daily office. I learned this from Pete Scazzaro, who's the author of Emotional Healthy Spirituality. And he taught me how to frame up the Lord's Prayer in this way. And I want to teach it to you over the next two weeks. Okay, the next two weeks. So, any reason you can't be here next week, be sure to get the podcast or listen online, whatever. Because we really want to experiment as a congregation what it means to pray the Lord's Prayer in our daily office. Now, we have a heart-strong vision here. And part of that vision is that we'd be heart-strong for loving God together, as we're doing today as a family, but also loving God one-on-one. That's probably the most important thing. I'll keep driving this home that you need to experience Christ. And that's what the daily office is all about. We talk about devotions, quiet times, similar type things. Sometimes, though, devotions and quiet times can turn into, I've got to read this passage and I've got to pray. and It's just doing more things instead of really listening and being with Jesus. So this is my challenge for you as I go through the first portion of this two-set uh, message or two-set series about uh, the daily uh, Lord's Prayer, uh, is that starting tomorrow, I want you to pray uh, three times during the day. Now, what I would suggest is you start out in the morning with like 15 minutes at the minimum. If you're not doing that already, try that. Now, if you're not awake in the morning, don't do it in the morning. But some time during the day, do 15 minutes at lunch after dinner, before you go to the bed, before you go to bed, at least 15 minutes. All right, so that's one office per day. You try to do it at the same time. That's the nature of an office. It's a time during the day where you're set apart to be with God. And then the other times, let's say you have your 15 minutes in the morning. Then at noon, around that time, you have another office. And that would be the minimum of 5 to 10 minutes. 5 to 10 minutes. Okay. So you would say the Lord's Prayer at that particular time in the way we're going to approach it. Then at dinner time or after dinner time, whatever, you spend another five to ten minutes, but five at the minimum. You got the idea? Fifteen minimum starting out the day. You say the Lord's Prayer and do whatever else you do in your devotions. Five minutes at noontime around there. Five minutes to ten minutes in the evening. And you set your phone. The alarm goes off and you do it. Or you tie it to like meal times. So that's my challenge for you this week. I'm going to teach you how to do this, and you're going to be saying different parts of the Lord's Prayer in regards to uh, these daily offices 
that uh, I hope that you'll experiment with that will help you grow closer to Christ. So, first of all, let's read the Lord's Prayer together. Okay? Uh, let's pray together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, we're going to step through this prayer. We're going to go with different phrases. So the first phrase is our. So when you get up tomorrow morning, your first daily office, whether it's five minutes or 15 minutes, you just focus on the word our. So everybody take your message notes out. We don't have PowerPoint today. So everybody take your message notes out. Everybody could do that. And make notations down here because I really want you to take action on this. Just experiment with it at least because uh, I think it will be very meaningful uh, to you and a very helpful tool in connecting uh, with God. So you can write down there our, just put Monday morning. All right, write uh, Monday morning next to our. Uh, you're going you're gonna to pray for the church around the world because when we say our Father, so it's not my Father, it's everybody in the family of God's Father throughout the world. So during that five to ten minutes, you just pray for the global body of Christ. You start with Springbrook maybe and the needs that we have here. And you pray for churches in the area. We have Fox Valley Church down here on Blacktop, Huntley Blacktop, uh, just uh, in front of Menards. And Tom Atchison, the pastor, is there. Wonderful ministry. Pray for that ministry. Or Joel Poppenfuss, pastor out at Westlake in Huntley. Or Willow Creek Huntley just started this past Easter. Let's pray for them as they help us reach this community. And as they thrive together, we can pray for Converge churches. We're part of Converge Worldwide. That's our association of churches. Not a denomination, but we choose to be a part of it. And we've got converged churches in McHenry and Marengo, Geneva First Baptist Church. Anybody heard James Ford on the radio? Okay, he is a converged pastor. All right, I know James Ford. And so we're all part of this association together, working to start churches and revitalize churches. And there's 1,300 converged churches here in the United States, 150 missionaries. Let's pray for Again, converge churches. Let's pray for all churches, all Bible-believing churches. Let's pray for, again, Christians you might know throughout the nation. You see, I mean, you could spend an hour, just an hour, right? <laughs> but just let the Spirit lead you. Don't feel like you have to go down through your whole laundry list. Just let the Spirit lead you, whoever God brings to your mind. So that's, again, tomorrow morning. That will be your first daily office. Now, the second daily office will be at noon on Monday. Write that down, noon on Monday. Then you're going to pray this part of the prayer. Father who art in heaven. Father who art in heaven. We talked a lot about this last week. And the reason we spent so much time on it is because it is so critical to the rest of the prayer. If you're praying to someone, it's all about who you're communicating with. You have to understand who you're communicating with to really make a connection with them. And we talked about the fact that in Aramaic, in the original language, Jesus Christ used the word Abba, which means in language similar to Daddy. Now, this is very foreign to the people of Israel. It's interesting. It says, our Father in heaven. So our Abba speaks of one aspect of God, and our Father in heaven speaks of another aspect of God. So when we talk about our Father in heaven... In heaven speaks about God's transcendence. The fact that God is holy, that He's totally separate and different from you and I, that He is the Almighty God, He is the Creator, He is the ruler over, over everything, that we should obey Him, that He should be Lord in our lives. And that's the way the Jews really viewed God. But there's got to be a balance. We need to view God in that way. Now, God's just not our buddy. That, that's going way too much this way, Abba, right? our daddy. Uh, we, we've got to have a balance. But what I find with most Christians is they're too top-heavy. They're thinking about God as the Almighty God, and, 
And there's an emotional distance there because they, they don't feel like they can relate to an almighty God. But here we see Abba, Daddy. Well, that's where we need to spend more time. And that's why I believe Jesus used this word in that Jewish culture because they, they, didn't, <laughs> they didn't get that. Again, Yahweh, they wrote in a different uh, way. They wouldn't even write it or say it. Uh, again, it was all transcendence. And Jesus Christ is saying, hey, here I am. I'm God, God in the flesh. And you need to view God as your Father. And a, a Father who truly loves you. The ultimate Father. And, and there's so many of you, as I said last week, that are just burdened down with shame and guilt over past sins that God has forgiven you for, but you just will not forgive yourself for. You just won't do it. And your self-esteem is so low. You don't think you're of much value whatsoever. That's why it's so important that that you, our Father who art in heaven, our Abba, our Daddy in heaven, you spend a lot of time there because you need that. You need to look up on verses on God's love because you're hurting and you shouldn't be hurting. You need to understand God's love on a deeper basis. You do a study on God's love. You think about God's love all day long. You say, well, shouldn't I be thinking about other things? No. No, until you understand God's love, you, know, you, you can forget everything else. All right? You've got to be saturated with God's love, and that's going to transform your heart and soften you up in order that you might continue to grow. But as long as that barrier is there, you're not going anywhere. So that's why it starts out our Abba. That, that, that's a relationship. Okay. So that's at noon tomorrow. Then at, in the evening, we'll just call it 6, uh, Hallowed be thy name. So that's what you pray. Hallowed be thy name. And then, see, these are all springboards. It's not that you say, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. No, 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 no. You don't want to go there, okay? <laughs> now, you, you, again, use that as a springboard. So what does hallowed be thy name uh, mean? Well, it means uh, to make his name known. You're asking God, Lord, I want your name to be known. And what name is it? It's Abba. I want other people to know that you love them, because most people don't understand that. Because they grew up in churches and they picked up cues from parents and the culture. that This God is like a policeman. In fact, we had our date night challenge event here this past Friday, and we, it was a great time. We had 35 couples, and we were watching some video from Focus on the Family, and they had this comedian on. And he was so funny, because he said that this uh, policeman pulled him over. And the policeman said, are, are you aware of how fast you were driving? And he said, well, yeah, I'm aware of how fast I was driving. i got a speedometer right here in front of me. The one thing I wasn't aware of is where you were sitting. <laughs> That's the one thing I didn't know. <laughs> And as we talked about last week, that's the way a lot of people view God. You know, they're kind of cruising through life, trying to do things their own way, kind of looking for God. You know, He doesn't see me. Duh. (laughs) I'm fooling God, you know, that kind of thing. And I hope He doesn't catch me, because if He catches me, then I'm really going to be in trouble. How can you have an intimate friendship with a God like that? You cannot. That's why it's so critical that you change your thinking about who... God is. Hallowed be your name. You are Abba. So when you're saying hallowed be your name, you're making a request to God. You're saying, okay, God, I want your name to be hallowed in these people's lives. First of all, in my life, I want to understand that you're my daddy. And also, if I'm praying, I'm praying for my wife and my children especially my children, Lord, I pray that Brian and Wesley and Tommy, as they grow older, that they would understand and that they would cultivate this deep relationship with God. So when they're my age, they're much deeper in their relationship with God than I even am at this point. I want them to know how much you love them. I want want them to be dependent upon you. I want them to focus their lives upon you. Because that will carry them through anything that comes their way. Pray for my neighbor. Pray for my boss. That they would know God as Abba. Now, 
Very interesting to look at the Lord's Prayer and how it builds. You know, our Father who art in heaven. Then it says, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done. Right? So, thy name, thy kingdom, thy will. Starts it out that way. It's all about God, right? Now, from my personal life, I'll tell you what goes on with me. Uh, most of the time I'm thinking about my name. I'm thinking about my reputation. I'm thinking about what other people think about me. I'm thinking about how I can make better impressions, how I can influence people. It's all about Dan. Then I'm thinking about my I'm a kingdom builder. You're a kingdom builder too, aren't you? Yeah, we're all building relational kingdoms. We're all building financial kingdoms. We're all building uh, uh, career. For me, it's a ministry kingdom. We're all builders. We're trying to build things in our lives, and it's all about us. It's all about us. And what the Lord's Prayer does is if we really focus and meditate upon it, and if we build it into the rhythm and fabric of our day, if we just stop at noon and say, okay, how am I doing today? Have I been thinking about God's name or Dan's name? Have I been thinking about God's kingdom or Dan's kingdom? Have I been thinking about God's will or Dan's will? And I'm nailed against the wall, man. <laughs> I can't make it past noon and i got to be... Confessing my sin, Lord, get me back on track here. You know, I, I just am so selfish. And so we need to continue to bring ourselves back and say, God, as I go through this afternoon, how am I going to make your name known? How am I going to build your kingdom? As I go to this staff meeting, as I go uh, to lunch with this person, as I work on this project, how am I going to... Make your kingdom come. How are you going to do it through me? How, are, how am I going to do your will? What do you want me to do today? Speak to me. Tell me. See? Now, that's the nature of the Lord's Prayer. Thy name, thy kingdom, thy will. So let's take a look at these. So now we're, we're at Tuesday morning. You get up in the morning. Write this down. So you remember, Tuesday morning, this is your first office of Tuesday. You focus on thy kingdom come. All right, you think about God's kingdom. What is God's kingdom? Well, there's all kinds of books that have been written on God's kingdom. But let me just really boil it down to the essence. Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ came to this earth to establish His kingdom. He died and rose again on the third day in order that we might be a part of His kingdom. The kingdom began then. And the kingdom is still coming. And really what we're praying for is the end of history. We're praying for the end of this world. We're praying for the day when Jesus Christ will be King during the period of the millennium, the thousand years when He'll reign. We're praying for eternity when Jesus Christ will reign as King throughout eternity. Then His kingdom will be complete, but it is growing. It is moving forward. People's lives are being changed. The kingdom is, is again, entering people's lives. I was talking with a friend back here um, you know, who, again, came to Christ, came in to the kingdom just recently. That's what we're praying for. Now, how do we usually uh, do this? So I say, thy kingdom come, Lord. All right, I want, the ki- I want God for your kingdom to come. So let's see. I think about my wife, Lori. Yeah, she needs a little bit more of the kingdom. I can think of some areas where a little more kingdom would help her out. I think about my boys, like, whoa! <laughs> they need a lot of the kingdom, Lord. They're young bucks, you know, and... Uh, Please, please bring the kingdom into their lives. And I think about my flock here at Springbrook. And I say, Lord, oh, I love them so much. I care about them. My heart bleeds for them. And, and Lord, some of them just don't get it. 
I mean, I just pour out my heart weekend after weekend after weekend, and some have been here for years, and I personally have not really seen any action in their lives. Just help them to get the kingdom. Come on now. Pour the kingdom into their lives. Now me, well, yeah, I've got the kingdom. Yeah, I mean, come on. Christian for 45 years. It's going to count for something. And uh, in the Bible school, seminary, I teach the Word of God every week. I tell people what God says about how they should live. Certainly, yeah, I got the king down here. Okay? Where do you start praying? Say, God, bring the kingdom to Dan Harrison's life because he needs it really bad. Remember the iceberg illustration that we use so often, how we can look really good on top, what people see, but the majority of our lives are underneath the surface. And here's the crazy thing about the Christian life is there's a lot of Christians think they're doing fine. I mean, they're, they're doing daily offices. They're walking with God. They're praying throughout the day. Uh, they're involved, engaged in the church, taking ownership in that. They think they're doing fine. But the problem is, is that they're comparing themselves to other people. Have you ever done that? Oh, that person's so immature spiritually. I just, you know, I'm going to pray for them. And, and, and we just had the attitude that everybody else is just a little bit lower. There, there are other people that are above us, certainly, and we learn from them. And the majority, I would say, maybe people are below us. And, and therefore, you know, I'm doing okay. And we're sincere about that. We think it's all okay. But we're living a double life. We're buying into the world's system. While, while we're doing all this stuff that we think we should be doing, and, and it's sincere, we're still underneath this iceberg. You know, we're still so concerned about what we do, what we achieve, what, what we, our name, our reputation in life. We're so concerned about uh, what we have. Do we have the right status symbols, the right type of house, the right type of car, the right type of clothes, and on and on and on. And we're so concerned about what people think. So we're living out the world in our lives and we don't even realize it. We're in denial. Alright? So, so we need to ask God's kingdom to come into our lives. You know, if I think about my own life, if, if my body here represents the iceberg and my head is what is above the water, one might say, where is the kingdom of God? How deep is it into Dan's life? I don't know, maybe here? I, I, I really don't know. I know it's not... As deep as it should be, obviously. And it won't be totally to my toes until I'm with Jesus. But, oh man, i got so much work to do. And, and the more mature you grow, the more realize how sinful and deceitful your heart is and your motives. And you could be doing all the right things, but you got head games going on and that kind of stuff. And so, so what I'm trying to say to you guys, some of you think you're doing great. You think, yeah, I'm pursuing the kingdom of God. Well, take a second look. Ask the Holy Spirit to really open up the books. And you're going to say, Whoa, I'm coming way short here. Thy kingdom come. And the thing about God's kingdom, it's so different from the U.S. kingdom, the United States kingdom, and the way we think here in the West. Uh, again, the Israelites expected... This Messiah to come, to be born into a royal family, to be raised and taught by the greatest rabbis, uh, to be this incredible leader who would eventually just lead the Israelites against the Romans and overthrow them and establish their own independence. And what do they get? They get an illegitimate child, born to peasants, grows up in obscurity, is a carpenter for about two or three years. Uh, finally, there's some flash, you know, there's some action. 
And those people who think Jesus is the Messiah saying, finally, man, he's really bringing it, you know, you know miracles and healings and feeding 5,000. Yeah. This is the real thing. And then he goes, he gets crucified. And then he's raised from the dead and he leaves. What kind of king is that? That's no king, and that's why they rejected him. But he was the king, wasn't he? He was the king. You see, we here in the U.S. US are always about bigger, better, faster. Bigger, better, faster. Bigger, better, faster. That's what we really like. I mean, think about people in the news recently. Jeremy Lin. Have you seen him play basketball? Huh? Unbelievable. You know? Everybody said this kid couldn't play. Oh, yeah, whatever. You know, put him on the court. All of a sudden, boom! Explosion! Now, it's interesting. He's a Christ follower. And yesterday, man, I was just blown away. I was watching uh, the news. And I was watching an interview with him. And, and the woman was saying, what do you do to stay, you know, settled? How do you keep things in perspective? And he says, well, I have my family and I have my faith. And I realize I'm a sinner just like anybody else. And I like just... I mean, there's a lot of celebrities that claim Christ is their Savior. And I'm sure many of them are. And, and, you know, that's great. It's a great testimony. But I tell you, I've never heard any one of them say, I am a sinner. Wow. Now, that's, that's just something I had to share with you. But the point being, we've got Jeremy Lin over here. Then on the other side, we have Adele. All right, anybody watch the Grammys? On a Sunday night, okay, I was watching part of the Grammys uh, after the annual meeting. And uh, so I was watching Adele, and man, she sang a song. Just blew, I just said, who is this woman? I'm not much into secular music. But I, I said, who is this? I mean, she was singing Roll in the Deep, you know. Could have had it all. That kind of, <laughs> you know, it was just unbelievable. In fact, I even downloaded this song onto my iPod. I never do that. I never do that. But the, whatever. I, don't, I can't figure out myself. But the point being, okay, is we look at Adele and we say, wow. You see, this is what we fall in love with. That's why people worship celebrities because that's the way they want life to be. Bigger, better, faster. And we see Jeremy Lin and we see Adele and say, yeah, that's the way life should be, man. You're 20 years old or whatsoever and boom, you're a superstar. They, we worship superstars. We're all about superstars in our world. That's the U.S. kingdom. But God's kingdom isn't like that. God's kingdom isn't bigger. God's kingdom is small, like a mustard seed, right? Jesus said, mustard seed, man, I don't want a mustard seed. I want a jack and the beanstalk seed. I want something to grow like wildfire. I don't want to wait for a mustard seed. It is small. I mean, who did Jesus Christ hang out with? Just a motley crew. Not the band, but. The disciples, right? They're just a motley crew. Nobodies. I don't know about prostitutes and tax. All nobodies. That's the kingdom. King, the kingdom is found in insignificant people like you and I. I mean, who are we? You know? We're nothing in the eyes of this world. Yeah, we have our own little circle where we think we're pretty cool, but really we're not. You know, I mean... Uh, we're nothing. And that, that's God loves nothing people. Because that's the nature of His kingdom. It's small. Alright? It's not faster. Okay? God's kingdom is slow. Look at that. Slow. Oh, it is so slow. It drives me nuts. I am... Let's go take that hill. Let's move ahead. I've been in ministry for 25 years, and it just drives me nuts at how slow the kingdom of God is. I mean, I look at my own life. I, look, I have to really go over like a period of a year to see any spiritual growth in my life. I have to compare it. I mean, how do you measure spiritual growth, you know? 
I mean, you're at work, you're making things, you're selling products, you got your spreadsheets, and you can see you're making progress, but, you know, you got a spiritual thermometer? No, no. I mean, basically, bottom line is it's the Holy Spirit, right? First of the Spirit. Are you more joyful than you were last year? Are you more patient than you were last year? Are you less irritable than you were last year? Do you think more about God's will than your will? than you did last year? Are you more accepting of your life than you were last year? Are you more content? You see what I'm saying? Those are hard things to judge, but that's what spirit, that's how you measure spiritual growth, your attitudes as you go along. And, and it's just so slow. <sighs> Working with children. Uh, how many of you work with children here at Springbrook? Raise your hand. God bless you. Thank you so much. I, I can remember when I was back... Uh, a temple growing up, and there are so many people who invested in my life, and I'm so thankful they did. But it's not like one Sunday I came in as a fifth grader and said, you know, teacher, I really got it this past week. And uh, I did a little Bible study here I want to lay out for you. Three-page Bible study. I led two people to the Lord. And uh, I really had a good talk with my parents, and uh, we're good, you know. I'm going to be obedient. I didn't say that. That's the same old kid from last week. Maybe a little bit different. <laughs> you know, you're working with kids and they don't just—they don't seem to change, you know? But you're building the kingdom in them. The mustard seed, you're building that kingdom that's going to grow throughout their life. So thank you. Thank you for building into the kingdom of our kids. You, go, you people are small group leaders. You, you say, why don't these people grow, you know? <laughs> you know them best, right? You're shepherding them and... You just shake your head sometimes. Why don't they get that? Right? It's so slow. But, but you see, you cannot rush God. You cannot rush God. You've got to wait on His timing. Uh, now, here's a prayer that you pray. God, let Your kingdom come in my life. And, and what we, we put caveats on it. We say, God... First, you've got to fix my financial situation. Give me a job. That'd be nice, okay? Uh, get me out of debt. Fix that first, and then your kingdom can come. Or God, fix my teenager. I have no idea what to do with them. They, they confound me. They frustrate me. They bring out emotions that I didn't know I had. Fix them, okay? And after you fix them, we're good. Bring the kingdom. Or God, my marriage, it's been DOA for five years. And you take care of that first, then bring the kingdom. No. No. You pray, bring the kingdom into my life right now. The mess that it is. You bring your kingdom in to my pain and to my suffering, to my physical illness. Uh, you bring the kingdom in now. That's what our prayer needs to be. All right, let's go on to thy will be done. Now, let's see. This is noon on Tuesday. All right, this is your midday office. Thy will be done. Are you ready for thy will be done? Can you really say that with sincerity? Thy will be done. I'm not going to say that. No way. Thy will be done. I'm not giving everything over to him. I mean, if I do that, my life is going to be boring. I'm going to be reading the Bible, these daily offices, you know. Harrison's going to push me to six offices a day, and I'm not going to have time to watch TV if I keep following his trail. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm not going to have any fun. i got some things going on that really are, you know, kind of in the gray area, and I don't I like them in the gray area, so... Yeah, no, I don't think so, you know. Or maybe you have an attitude, okay, God, just do it. Just do it. Bring your will because I know it's coming and I know you're going to force it on me. So, okay, I give in. Maybe you try to cut a deal with God. All right, God, I'm going to give you 51%. 51%, that's a majority in any corporation, 51%. But I still have some veto rights over here, okay? All right, so your will be done. That's cool and everything. 
I'm for it, but hey, I still have a voice in this partnership. Can you really say, that will be done? We have this fear of God's will. But look what it says in Romans 12 too. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Here it is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do you believe the Bible? God's will is good. Good, 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 good. We like good things, don't we? It's pleasing. I like that word the best. Perfect, good, that's fine, but pleasing. Ah, yeah. Please me, please me. <laughs> you know? Perfect, perfect. So we're going through life and all of a sudden, bam, you know, we hit a, we hit a wall. And we say, oh God, what did you do that for? Why did you allow that in? Why did you allow me to do that? Sin in that way. What, 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 what's going on here? This makes no sense whatsoever. And we get all upset and we panic and we're just, we're just a basket case. And we don't realize that God's will is being done in our life. But again, it take, it's, remember, slow. See, God sees all of history. We read in uh, Psalm 94. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. A thousand years. Okay, so he's saying yesterday, Saturday, that was like a thousand years to God. But then a watch in the night, that's like three hours from like three to six. What were you doing from three to six? Hopefully you were sleeping. I'm sorry if you were not. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's like a thousand years. So what, wait, wait a second. A whole day is like a thousand years. Three hours the point is God stands outside history. He can see every part of history as if it were happening today. I know that blows your mind, it blows my mind, you know. But the point being is that God can see what comes into your life and he can see what it's going to do to make you more like him and it's going to be his good, pleasing and perfect will. It's strange, isn't it? You start a relationship and you think it's going to be a really good Relationship, and you're excited, and you just say, "Well, I got this great relationship going on. It really is meeting all my needs." And then it goes bad. I mean, really bad. Now God knew that, right? Maybe He warned you, "Don't get in that relationship." He said, "Well, well it's a great relationship, right? Yeah." Or maybe you have a really bad experience. Maybe you lose your job. Maybe you come down with some type of illness or there's a cancer scare, you say, God, why, why, why are you doing this to me? What have I done against you? I'm doing all the checklist, you know, come on. And then, ten years later, you realize that was the best thing that ever happened to you. God's perfect, pleasing, and perfect will. You don't understand it. So that's where you, you and I, we've got to stop trying to understand this stuff. Okay, we've got to stop analyzing it and trying to think, okay, how does it all fit together? You know, just stop it. Just say, okay, God, I'm clueless. And that's the way I'm supposed to be, but I'm trusting in you. Look at Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. Matthew 26, 42. He went away a second time and prayed. Remember, he was struggling over the fact that he had to go to the cross. He didn't want to go to the cross. Who would want to go to the cross? You wouldn't be a human being if you didn't want to go to the cross. If you want to go to the cross, you know. And say to a masochist, I don't know if you want to go to the cross. My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away uh, unless I drink it, may your will be done. May your will be done. Now, here's another thing to do in your daily office this week. Write this down. Pray to God whatever your hope and dream is. What do you really want in life? Is it a, a mate? Is it a job? Is it getting out of debt? Is it for your teenager to just stop giving you so much grief? Is it for your car to keep running? I don't know. You know. Say, okay, God, this is what I want. God's interested in that. He wants to know what you want. He loves you. But then you say, but your will be done. Can you say that? I'd like that, God, but... If that's not the best for me, if that's not part of your good, pleasing, and perfect will, you can take it off the shelf. I'll be disappointed, but I'm trusting in you. 
pretty heavy, isn't it? Pretty intense. Thy will be done. Now again, that's Tuesday at noon. <laughs> okay? <laughs> now let's move to Tuesday night, the third office of the day. Give us this day our daily bread. Now there's a lot of different ways we can interpret bread here. All kinds of scholars have waited on this. But, I mean, first of all, just bread. Bread. Regular bread like you have at home. All right? Now, we in the West just, we have so much food. So, so much food. There's a billion people out there right now at this very second who are underfed or are starving. And when they get a piece of bread, they say, thank you. Keeps them alive. What do we do? We walk into our favorite supermarket, and we've got the one bread, and we've got all kinds of favorite breads. But we've got one bread that we need that week because we're dreaming of this perfect sandwich, and it's got to be this particular type of bread. And we go into the bread aisle, 20 different types of bread, and we look and we look and we look. We're looking for that bread, and it's not how can I have my perfect sandwich if they don't have that bread? And you go to the manager. Hey, where's my bread? They, oh, I'm sorry. We ran out. What do you mean you ran out? You can't run out. You start running to other stores trying to find this perfect bread. And come on now, slap yourself. Really? Get somebody else to slap yourself. I mean, really, are we spoiled brats when it comes to food or not? My teenage boys, they say there's nothing to eat. Man, that really gets me. I just feel like throwing all the cupboards open, taking them down to the food pantry. Are you telling me you can't find anything to eat? Oh, yeah, nothing to eat. And I want to get the white rice out. I want to say, why don't you eat what the rest of the world is eating? Cook it up. We are so out of whack, aren't we? We are so messed up here in the U.S. when it comes to food. You see, every time we eat, we need to say, thank you, God. We don't feel it because we're, you know, whatever, we got lots of food, no big deal. We're not desperate for it. Well, just you know. But thank you, God. Every noon I eat a lean pocket, mozzarella, meatball. I'm weird, okay? But I mean, yeah. I eat it, and I need to say thank you, God, for that lean pocket. Thank you. Thank you for providing that for me. All right. Another way to interpret this is basic needs, food, shelter, and clothing. Another way to interpret this is uh, spiritual bread from Scripture, physical, emotional, and spiritual and mental uh, resources. What you need to get through the day. What you need to get through the day. It's been a long week for me, as I know it has been for many of you. Oh. Life is it just really gets pressure-filled sometimes. I think you single moms, I think of you who are, have health crises, and every week is a long week for you. But I had an extra long week. Not a pity party, but I'll just let you know where I'm at. So I, I, uh, <laughs> I went to bed Friday. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I woke up on Saturday morning with just this peace. I was just laying in bed, and I felt the peace of God come over me. I just laid there for about 15 minutes praying to him, enjoying him, just looking forward to the day. Popped open my laptop. Started to boot up. Blue screen. I've seen the blue screen before. It's no big deal. You know, you just do it again. Do it again. Blue screen. 
Jim, blue screen. I'm starting to get nervous. My computer's my life. You know, you know me, I'm Mr. Technology. And, uh, and my brain, my brain is sitting in front of me on my lap. It's, it's, and is it dead? Is my brain dead? And, and so I call Dell. I say, hey, listen, i got a real problem here. I keep getting this blue screen. So she takes me through this diagnostic test and she says, yes, your brain is dead. I'm like, what? My brain can't be dead this weekend. It just can't be dead. And I'm just sitting there and I run down to Best Buy and I say, what can you do with data recovery with this? Because foolish man I am. Foolishness, foolishness. Last backup, November 11, 2011. Go ahead, say foolish man. Say it. Thank you, thank you, foolish man. Let's be a warning to all of you out there. 24 years I've had a laptop computer. I have never had a hard disk fail. Okay, Never, never, never. Never happens to me, right? And uh, it was like I was flying an airplane blind. No controls, no nothing. I don't even know how to fly. But the point being is it was, so, it was such a surreal day. I want to get on the Internet, so I have to go to Lori's computer. I don't know how to... Yeah, I mean, she's got Windows 7, which I just do not understand at all. I've got XP. So I'm going in here, and I, I'm so frustrated. I'm saying, how do I get on the Internet? How do I type anything? I'm hyperventilating at this point. And... You know why there's no PowerPoint slides? Because I lost my brain. I didn't have Microsoft PowerPoint. I didn't know how to get it. You should see my notes. They're humorous. I had to actually take one of the inserts I printed out for you, and that's a whole other story, and I had to cut it up, and I had to put it in here and put my my, my thoughts beside it. Now, in the big scheme of things, really, I mean, people are struggling. Some of you are saying, Harrison, what's your problem, man? And I agree. I totally agree. I'm just sharing you my feelings. Okay? Can you accept me? Okay? And, uh, and I just pray to God. I say, God, give me my daily bread today. I don't know how I'm going to make it through today. I don't know how I'm going to preach tonight. I, and, and, but God came through. And it looks like I'll be able to recover. I don't know. Who knows? But it looks better than it did before. And, uh, but that's what it's all about, man. I mean, I talked talk with one lady last night. She said, I got shingles after that happened to me. <laughs> How many have had that happen? And you didn't really back up that problem. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, it, it just is. I will always back up. Okay, you can ask me anytime. Have you backed up, Dan? You know, please. And uh, but you know what? I tell you what. God's going to teach me new things for this. You know, one thing He taught me and reminded me, Dan, you're going too fast. If you do not have the time to do a backup, which a monkey could do, if you do not have the time to press the stupid button. You're going way too fast, Dan. You've got to slow down, man. And I, and I know I'm going to learn many other lessons on top of backing up. But, you know. So God cares about my computer. God cares about my peace of mind. God was with me yesterday. And He really, I mean, He gave me unbelievable energy and insight. And it came together. And it's coming together this morning and to whatever degree. And I'm thinking, God, you're so cool. You know, and I, get, I don't know what, yeah, right, yeah. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know if my life is lost. Half of my brain is gone. I pray for your sake that isn't the case. But that is life, friends. You never know when you're going to hit the wall. Give us this day our daily bread. So please do this for me, okay? All right? Uh, Please just take these offices over the next six days. And next week I'll teach you uh, the rest of them. and, And just experiment. With it, humor me, okay? Because I really believe it can make a difference in your life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. 
You, you, your will is good, pleasing, and perfect. And I know many times I'm saying, no, God, your will isn't that good. It's not what I want. But I pray you continue to work deep within my heart and show me that your will is good, pleasing, and perfect. I pray I'd slow down more, more, Lord. I'm not sure how to do it, but show me how. Pray for my friends here. I know they've all got their own issues. I was talking to another guy who hit the wall. His son hit his car, <laughs> hit another car yesterday. You know, I mean, those things happen. That's just life. And Lord, thank you that you're there with us. In Christ's name, amen. Well, again, we're heart strong for God. We're heart strong for loving God one on one. This is what this series is all about. We're heartstrong for marriages. We had our date night, and Rich is going to come out and talk a little more about that in terms of how you can get involved. Uh, we're heartstrong for compassion. we got our blood drive going on. We want you to go to that. Rich will tell you what's going on with that. But let's have our ushers come forward.